Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. This morning, we're uh, in for a treat. Back in March of 2007, Pastor Bill and I went on a missions trip to Scotland, and he introduced me to a friend of his named Michael McNamee. Now, Michael had uh, been a partner with us in two trips in the past here at Calvary, and in 2007, we partnered with teams that went to Scotland. Uh, it was a tremendous opportunity, and then following that, we partnered with Ma- Michael and Convoy of Hope Europe in Albania, and you have heard us talk about that in the past, just opportunities for us to see God do things globally in powerful ways. Michael McNamee is the president of Convoy of Hope Europe and oversees all of church planting for uh, the, the continent of Europe for Assemblies of God missions. And uh, beyond that, he is a friend to this church. How many of you are familiar with, with Michael and Beryl McNamee? And uh, Michael, I want you to see how many people um, don't know you yet. This is an opportunity for me with, with a lot of excitement to introduce you to a great friend personally and to this church. We are privileged to have Beryl and Michael with us and to partner with them in Ministry Calvary. I want you to give a great big welcome to the hardest working couple in Assemblies of God Missions. Would you welcome Michael McNamee as he comes this morning? Thank you. Thank you so much. What he didn't say, he didn't say in the first service, it was, I'm Irish. <laughs> What's your special gift? <laughs> I'm Irish. And I really do talk like this, and so will you when you die and go to heaven. And so we'll look forward to it. I'm not from Mississippi, I'm from Ireland. It's an incredible, incredible, incredible privilege for me to be back in Toledo, Ohio, and Calvary Church. You know, I've probably spoken, we were trying to work out the other day, 10,000 times in the last 10,000 churches. And I will tell you this much, it's been a special honor for me to be at this church. We lived here several months, many years ago, and the Lord did something special in our lives. We have friends here that we will know for all eternity. And I want to say that the church has been gracious. We're one of the over 150 missionaries that you support. And it's really incredible that many, many times in our lives, when when the road gets long and curvy and your call doesn't seem to be enough and you get yourself in situations, I cannot explain to you how many times or thank you, somebody from Calvary Church in leadership or in the congregation contacted us, was gracious to us, spirit of generosity, a spirit of comfort, a spirit of exhortation, and everything that was dark became well. So I want to thank you guys for a long and worthwhile relationship, which I can never reciprocate. Thank you so much for your kindness. I want to introduce my wife. My wife led me to the Lord many, many years ago because she took one look at me and said, I want that guy. I want a piece of that. And over the years, things have changed. 
she's still good looking. Pearl, would you please stand? With my wife, Pearl. I am Irish, but today I stand in the greatest country in the world, the country of America. I always open my sermons with this, and some people say, why do you do that? Because eventually you're going to believe it. America is great not because of its military might or power, but America is great because this nation has been established on the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some amongst us who are trying to rob you of our freedom. They're trying to make America something that God never intended to be. But when America gets too big for God, America will fall. But as a non-Christian today, I want to say that through the mist and through the storm, the star-spangled banner still flies as a testimony to people like me that America still cares. And I believe, honestly, that you are the nation that God has equipped in these final hours, humanly, physically, spiritually, to win our world to Jesus Christ. A multitude of voices are trying to stop you. We live in incredible times, unbelievable times, even in Europe. And in the midst of this final hour, I am asking you one more time to pick up the bloodstained banner of the cross, along with the star-spangled banner, and march forward. Church after church across this world and across this nation are no longer given to missions. Missions is not crossing the seas, but missions is seeing the cross. And America is great because America never listened to the world saying, Yankee, go home. They give in spite of it. And in these final hours, we across this world have never needed you more than we need you today. So stop looking inward, look outward. And I will say that Toledo Church, this Calvary Church in Toledo, is a model for the rest of the world and the rest of this nation. This church is winning this community. This church is going through radical, radical growth numerical growth and spiritual growth. In the middle of that, they stop for this week and they say, we're going to not just concentrate on our community. We're going to bring in some great speakers, plus a small Irish man, and we... <laughs> Bible schools across the world are visible today. Churches across the world are vibrant today. Many, many thousands, tens of thousands of Christians are going to heaven today because this church, Calvary Church Toledo, over the last 30 years, decided that their community was not enough, but they're going to win this world of Jesus Christ. And on behalf of them, I thank you. God bless you guys. I want to read from the book of Psalms. Say Psalms. Psalms. No. <laughs> Psalms. Think of Walmart, Sam Walton. Say Psalms. You got it. If you continue this way, you will not have to go through linguistic training in heaven. <laughs> Psalms 2. <laughs> A woman up there is talking to her neighbor and saying, who is this guy? Where is the exit? Psalms 2, verse 8. Say it. it. 7 plus 1. It. Let's read it. <laughs> Only ask... And I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the whole earth as your possession. Heavenly Father, we stand in incredible times, precarious times, seemingly difficult times, strange times, confusing times. 
But we as Christians rejoice because we have your promise that where sin abounds, grace so much more abounds. And we stand on the edge of a precipice. We realize, Lord God, what does the future hold? But you hold the future. And so we come not with fear or anxiety, but we come encompassing your promises. We stand in the midst of your presence this morning. We say, Heavenly Father, as you've shown miracles in Toledo and through this church in the last years, one more time, help us to see beyond our borders. Help us not to be enclosed in by parameters, but help us this morning as 152 missionaries supported by this church. Pray this morning for the outcome of this meeting. Let's send them good news. Let Calvary Church cares. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen. It's very difficult for me to speak to this church this morning. We have so many friends here. And so many people who, in the season of our life, God used them to intervene, interject something into us, and send us on our way with a smile. It's even more difficult for me to say thank you because most of these friends for the last 25 years do not understand 50% of what I say. <laughs> I went into a Dairy Queen in Toledo the first week I was here, and I says, strawberry shake. Now, I think that's pretty articulate. I didn't use a verb, personal pronoun, just went, strawberry shake. And the woman looked at me, and I could tell by her fright on her eyes and her open mouth that she didn't understand the word I said. So I said a full sentence to her. I want, verbs, everything, uh, <laughs> strawberry shake. And she got more frightened <laughs> and pointed at the back and says, the toilets are down there. <laughs> I went and used them and thanked her on the way out. <laughs> it's a difficult time, but God says to us in this tremendous church, not only am I going to give you Toledo and parts of Ohio, I'm going to give you nations. When churches across the world, across this nation, are pulling back, God said, why? Ask of me. Do some conditions, and I will give you nations. We live in an incredible times, I just said, a time of transition. Now, people who are in my generation we sometimes don't like transition. We like things that be the way they are. I was reading a book recently and it said that churches normally have used to change every 10 years, but now the church of Jesus Christ changes every 18 months. Now we do not compromise, but we must be ready for the change. You know by your own political situation how much is changing. And I wanna to talk to you the simple, I'm gonna show you lots of slides. The people don't understand the word I say, at least you can read some of the slides. The people don't understand what I say, just guess but make it good. A woman in the first service said to me, I didn't understand most of what you said, but I'm sure it was good. <laughs> God bless her. Transitions, show you some slides. Transitions are often difficult. They're sometimes delicate, but they're always defining. 
Now, some people are completely terrified of change. Some are tolerant of it, and some people thrive on it. And I'm asking you this morning, despite all the confusion and conflict in this world, give me the next 25 minutes. Do not be terrified of what's happening in the world today. Just don't tolerate it, but thrive on it and see how the Lord Jesus Christ can use you as a conduit to bring less confusion and more balance. Never before have so many people wanted a spiritual answer. More people want to go to church than you know. And as Christians, we must understand this. God will never love us more and he can't love us less. So I'm glad I'm not old. How dare anybody mock that statement? <laughs> but I'm glad I'm going to live in the greatest season of my life. The church has got together, the leadership, and they said, not only will we win this community, as I just said, but we're going to win a world. People across this world are dependent on the response at the end of the service today. This is an incredible vision by Pastor Chad and Pastor Bill and the committee. I want to talk to you about the fastness of this vision. The vision that this church has, not just to touch this community, but to touch the world. A vision like this can only come from God. You don't make something like this up. You don't sit in a place in the middle of Toledo, Ohio, outside of McDonald's, and say, let's change the world. It's kind of crazy. But when it comes from God, it's possible. We are stewards and not owners. That's what we've got to realize. Everything that we have, we don't own it. God is making us responsible for it. The blessing of this church and the growth of this church over the last few years is not just for us, but it's something that works through us and reaches not just our community, but the world. We need to be more worried about influence and not affluence. Heavenly investment, not earth, heavenly inheritance, not earth, heavenly. I'm going to get that right in a second. Take two. <laughs> da, 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 da. Heavenly. I don't care, really. Do I really care? Heavenly inheritance. <laughs> not earthly investment. I got it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here next week. God creates opportunities, but he values obedience. I grew up in Belfast, Northern Ireland. I was one to the Lord through the testimony of my wife, two beautiful daughters who love to lead us so well. They love Pastor Bill. He was our youth pastor when we were here. He loved him to death. Europe is an interesting thing. Europe is so expensive. And it's $6 for a, a gallon for gas now, and that's cheap, the cheapest thing we ever had. I told the people last night that Bert and I could no longer to put gas, afford to put gas in our car. I get into the car and she pushes me. My wife is a psychologist. The same jokes I say all the time. She's never helped me. She just looks at me and takes notes. But Europe, the continent that gave you God, is the biggest mission field in the world. The second biggest mission field in the world is the Muslim world. And the Muslims are coming to Europe in their millions. So these two things are joined together. And Europe is a difficult, difficult place. I used to speak 365 times a, day, a year. Imagine listening to this 365 times a year, sometimes three times a day, to start a church. And at the end of one year, I'll have 25 dysfunctional people. I said to my wife one day, I can't handle this anymore. 
I mean, I'm going to go to Latin America. If you go to Latin America and say, Jesus, 10,000 people accept the Lord every day. If you go to Africa and pray for the sick, everybody gets healed, including the people who are not sick. I want to go there. And my wife looked at me and she put her hand out. I don't care what the Bible says. When my wife does this, it's over. She said, Michael, listen to you. You're a whiner. You're not, you're called to this continent. Listen. And so I listened. And God told me to one day in a camp in Illinois that my burden was right. My call was right, but my methodology was wrong. And so based on the ministry in America, Convoy of Hope International, I established Convoy of Hope Europe. And we started to preach the gospel socially, physically, and spiritually. The first place we went to was Brussels. 1,200 people showed up. In Brussels, that's quite a crowd. And two young refugees got healed from deafness. The next place we went to was a place called Albania, in the middle of Albania. And it was one of the most atrocious places I've ever been in my life. When I first went there, this community was filled with rats. Now, there are many, many things I don't like, and high in the priority are rats. They also had toilets which hadn't been cleaned for 20 years. That's another one of my dislikes. So I said to myself, who in all the name of all the saints in Ireland is going to help me do this job? Clean this community, transform this community, socially, physically, and spiritually. And the Lord said to me, Calvary Church, uh, Toledo. Calvary Church, Toledo. And Pastor Chad and Pastor Bill came, and we stood in this atrocious building, surrounded by rats, and they said, we're going to transform this community. And some of you were in the three-year transformation. The first team we brought in was a team of Master's Commission students from Spain and Holland. Master's Commission students want to die for Jesus, and I give them every opportunity to do so. (laughs) And we cleaned this place. These rats had never been attacked in their lives. The people were so desperate that they allowed these rats to run into their house and bite their kids. You say, how can I be so low? And so we killed these rats. It was quite an experience for me. And uh, I think we killed several hundred rats during the week. Just beat them to death. If you want to leave now, this would be a good time. <laughs> this is a clean part. It gets worse after this. I'm going to And so, then we attacked the toilets. I put on these rubber boots, a couple of pairs of trousers, pants, things, masks, scarves, gloves, and uh, another guy and myself in Michigan. And we were going, uh, knee deep, and we're going, ah. I remember I put my hand to unblock the toilet. It hadn't been blocked for 20 years. I mean, everything, and, and, and this rat ran up my leg. Oh, hit the back, ran down there. Psh. Ah! And I looked behind me, and there was a little girl of six with little shorts, little T-shirt, no gloves, laughing at me, doing the same work as me. And then Calvary Church walked into that place and over three years transformed it. The perverts, the traffickers moved on. 
people were put in school. 52 people put in school. 50 are still in school. A church was built. 150 people in the church. Lives transformed by the power of a living God. Because it's not just working in Toledo. It's working through Toledo and the Albania. And since that day, we've been in 52 countries. Started over 50 churches in Europe. Reached a million and a half people. And the Lord has moved by his spirit and power. Because you see, vision like this, what this church wants, can only become a reality as we're willing to dream his dreams. Every single one of you today, look at me. Some of you look fantastic. Some of you, God can help you. <laughs> You've got dreams. You stand by the open window tonight and the, the prodigal has not come home. Your body is still hurting and you've your tears have seared this carpet and your marriage is still hanging on by a thread and your finances, is not, nothing seems to have changed. But if you dream, dream what God wants you to be and what God wants you to do. I look in the mirror every single morning. Say mirror. Mirror. They bought the baby Jesus, gold frankincense in the mirror. I don't like what I see. I want to be tall and thin and good looking. Like Pastor Chad. <laughs> I want to have Pastor Bill's money. <laughs> but the Lord looks at me and he goes, coochie, coochie, coo. Because the Lord loves me and he loves you. And if we dream the dreams of God, you see, what we do for ourselves dies with us. But what we do for others remains and is immortal. And here this morning, in this church, in this church this morning, we can make decisions that will transform our family, our colleagues, our office, our school, our community, and if you really listen, all across this world, I work in abominable conditions. My wife, my wife works with 3% of the world that make the scenes for 97%. She goes to palaces and works with royalty and leaders and an incredible job, lift up their arms. I work where nobody else wants to go, but I love it. But as I worked in all these places, transforming communities with American teams like Calvary Church coming across and helping me touch hundreds of thousands of people's lives, working with refugees, working in refugee camps in Europe. The greatest opportunity we've ever had to win Muslims, radical Muslims to the Lord is now in Europe. I would become sad because in those places I worked, I saw a lot of young girls. And I've got two daughters. And these young girls would get so tired of living in Moldova and Albania and parts of the Balkans that they say, we want to go somewhere. And I said, please be careful. Please be careful you'll be trafficked, the biggest holocaust we have in Europe today. And they said, no, no, anything's better than this. And so I said, I want to help traffic women. I want to, I just want to do something. I woke up to the, the perverts, the traffickers in the 
camps would we go to and I say, I'm here to take back what the devil has stolen through you. And they would laugh. But usually they would disappear. I said last night in one of our meetings that men, listen to me, men, you've been called to be protectors and not predators. That's when it's going to stop. When we, as men, stand up for this. And so we, finally I was brought to a place in Madrid, Spain. Beautiful country, beautiful city. A young man, a pastor from Milwaukee, Aaron Cole and myself, went to speak at this traffic women's meeting. It was led by a woman from Scotland who's married to the superintendent of the denomination in Spain. And she's an incredible woman. She found that these women were coming into Spain and some of them had been stopped by the police and put in prison for 90 days with no change of clothes and no toiletries. So we helped a little bit with that. And then she got to know, because she was so compassionate and the center of everything that God does is compassion. She got to know everybody and said, I'll hold a, open up a halfway house. And the, the police helped her and the government helped her. And so we went to speak at this halfway house to these traffic women, walked up through the streets of Madrid, up the stairs and into this room and psychologists there, sociologists, brilliant help. And there's these little girls. I have two daughters sitting there. And they said, Meg, would you speak? Well, I've learned a lot of things in my life and I've learned when to shut up. I have nothing to say to these people. Would they like to speak to me? And they some of them give their testimonies, and I'll give you one. A girl from Colombia stood up. She came from Colombia to Barcelona, one of my most favorite cities in the world. And she was trafficked. She thought she was going to be a nanny. And they locked her in the basement, and I'm aware that there's some young people here. They locked her in the basement for 18 months in an apartment building. Chained her to a wall and woke her up every 20 minutes to be intimate with a stranger. I said this is the first service today. Does there ever come a time in your life when you just can't take it? There will come a time in your life, even as a Christian, you look at the media, you look at the stuff that's happening, and you just say, I cannot take this anymore. And you have a choice. You can be paralyzed and do nothing. You can run away and not think about it and try and put it out of your mind and put your hand up your head and distract yourself. Or you can do something about it. She asked me to pray for her, and she stood up, and she was 27 years of age younger than my daughters. And she says, please be careful. And she turned around and both of her shoulder blades were broken. And I prayed for her. And she became the epitome of everything I work for and I fight for. And we decided that we were gonna support that ministry almost 100% for several years. My wife's on the board now and looking for other investors. And that first year, it's just, it's just a drop of the bucket. 28 young girls, somebody's daughter, 
were set free with a job and put away somewhere, free from their pimps and are full of the presence of God in their lives. What we do for others remains as immortal. See, fishing like this requires all of us. I feel so inadequate. I am not a talented person. I don't play any instruments. I used to be a good dancer, but I'm getting old. But I am tired of onlookers. The will of God is not to be an onlooker, but it's to be a participant. And here this morning, you have a chance to give, to pray, to go. And a world awaits your answer. This is one thing I'm tired of. I want you to look at this slide. We cannot, in the United States of America, allow the focal minority to dominate the desired direction of the convinced majority. The culture of this country is being changed by a minority. And we sit and we listen. And we complain in holy huddles. And it's about time the church of Jesus Christ stood up to their feet. My wife was trying to take prayer. Prayer, prayer is peripheral. If prayer is central to our needs, why is it peripheral in our actions? We need a prayer meeting in this church to start and change what is happening in this city today. We need our kids to be pulled back from a precipice. We need to stand up for what is right. We need to be no longer afraid. We need to no longer compromise. Lift up the bloodstained banner of the cross and the, the, the flag of America and walk from our history into our destiny. The focal minority must be stopped by the power of the risen Lord. And if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. If America falls, who else is going to do it? The value of the vision. The value of the vision. If we really want to do something, we will find a way. If we don't, we'll find an excuse. I work amongst refugees as well as everything else we do. There are 1.6 million refugees in Ukraine. Last year we went there and President Putin said on TV, I will take over the Ukraine, the Crimea, anything in the world. I am the greatest strategist in the world and nobody, especially America, will stop me. Convoy of what we went there, we fed 300 families. All this, it's like a B-movie. Cement buildings blown up and people living and without heat and you drive up and all the kids come out. We give them 300 stoves and heaters and seeds to plant gardens and 27 young people said they would help us and we trained them over the missions over the summer for a missions school and since that they went out and we supported them totally and they've started 12 churches among the refugees in the last few months. We go to the refugee camp in Calais, France, a refugee camp in France. There are 17 mosques inside this camp. 
we started the first evangelical church. People say to me, do you support ISIS? What do you mean by that? I see 100 refugees in front of me, 50 are genuine refugees, 30 are not, they're economic refugees, at least 20. 10 are just walking. The other 10 don't like us, and probably two of them are ISIS. So am I going to stop feeding 98 because of two? But more than that, God can save ISIS. We have a place in southern Bulgaria called the Convoy of Hope Oasis Center. It's among Syrian refugees. We feed them, we clothe them, and every Sunday night, in fact, at this time, maybe just ending, there are 13, 14, 15, 16 Syrian refugees hearing about the Lord for the first time. Let me tell you about one group of them. There's a woman we called Sonia who lived in Syria in a small village up to a year and a half ago. She lived there with her husband, who was a Christian, her mother, who's a Christian, her brother, who's a Christian, her two kids. ISIS came into her village. They said, everybody who's a born-again Christian, Jesus follower, whatever you call yourselves, to the center of the square. She walked there with her family. The ISIS picked on her husband and said, are you a Jesus follower? He said, yes. He said, give him up. Turn your back on him in the next 15 seconds. He said, no. So they decapitated him. They decapitated her mother, her brother. They turned to her, and there are two armies in ISIS, the military army and the other army, which transcends is the army of rapists who are set upon the survivors. And they looked at her, and her young son leant across her and said, don't touch my mother. And these people who have no conscience, the most fallent, also affluent guerrilla army that the world has ever known, they have no conscience. They listened to their, a kid and let, let her mother go. And her mother escaped with her kids. And she's now in that camp in southern Bulgaria. And probably just this moment in time, she's even our small evangelical group. And they're traumatized. But in the middle of their darkness, they're finding out that somebody loves them, and his name is Jesus. The pain of discipline weighs ounces. But regret away tons. I have more years behind me than I have got in front of me. I do not want to die and think of my final moments. I wish I had a hug more. I wish I had a help more. I wish I had a given more. I've learned one thing in the last few years. Kindness is a language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. I don't understand this. What has God ever seen in me? I think of the little I offer him sometimes, and he takes it, and he multiplies it, and he blesses me. Think about it this morning. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us this morning. 
and the kindness of God working through us. I work with refugee children, traumatized. And I stand in front of them and I say, you can trust me. Maybe the first man in your life you never trust. We work with the dying and heights and the poor and the hopeless and the helpless. And we give them just a little crust of Jesus' love. And they're transformed. Do you hear them this morning? The cries of the lost. Different cultures, different creeds, lost in their sickness and their sin. And God this morning has raised up the United States of America to be their conduit of his Holy Spirit. I'm begging you this morning. I lay in front of you this morning to help the continent of Europe, the continent to give you God. As I said, they didn't come to have Turkey with the Indians. 50% of them died, but they left something behind here. The Holy Spirit and God nurtured that in mid-America when it's the day the greatest country in the world. And now I, I beg you, I plead for you, please help us. Next year, Calvary Church are going to come and transform a community in the country of Hungary with me. A Roma village that desperately needs God. I am known for one statement, which is not much after all the years I've preached. It says your desire will determine your destiny. But in the next few moments, your desire it's going to determine their destiny. And I close it, I always close. Through the mist and through the storm. And you need to hear this. The star-spangled banner still flies to people like me that you still care. And on behalf of a world that is lost, it needs you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless your leaders. And may the Lord bless the United States of America today and in the months that lie ahead. Kindness is a language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Bless you.